welcome to the Escape the Cage podcast. I am your host, Chuck Ellis. I want to welcome the guy who inspired this very podcast that you are listening to, Nick Juntos. Nick, how are you doing this morning? Fantastic, brother. Happy to be on. Thank you. Uh, what I want to do is, because when I was on your podcast and even in our conversations prior to your podcast, uh, I found out what an amazing transformation in life overall that you have made. And I think it's very inspiring. I, I think there's a lot of lessons in there. And so I want you to share your story. As brief, but as direct as possible, I guess I would say I grew up in what would be considered an abusive home. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I was, you know, beaten every day or anything like that. But there was a lot of traumatic experiences by way of getting knocked around, thrown into walls, hit in the face with a belt. The worst part of it was like you just getting screamed at and made to feel like you were a worthless piece of garbage and you'd never amount to anything, you know. And over time, you begin to develop uh, this understanding of yourself that may not be true, but as a result of being programmed by the influences around you, you naturally begin to adopt uh, these conclusions about yourself. So all through life, um, I just kind of felt like I had no love, no support, no validation, no no sense of belonging. I uh, kind of walked on eggshells a lot. A lot of my research in trauma, childhood trauma and psychology the last couple of years has shown me some really powerful things of how like mental growth gets stunted in homes like that because your body basically goes into like um, fight or flight mode. Like you're just trying to survive. So natural maturing and, and, and cognitive development actually take a back seat to just being in survival mode all the time. I remember going into junior high and lots of anxiety. I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Uh, uh, I was kind of one of those scrawny, lengthy, you know, pimply faced white kids, you know, growing up in a predominantly Hispanic school in a predominantly Hispanic town. And I got bullied a lot. I attracted a lot of attention. I was kind of the odd man out all the time. And uh, ended up ditching school one day. There were some gangbangers down there getting high. And when they saw me, I thought I was toast. I thought they were going to roll me up and, like, fold me up and, and take me out, you know. But they actually invited me over because they got it. They were ditching school for the same reasons, you know. They either had no positive masculine influence at home or they were getting beat too. Or, you know, they were having their own struggles. And they invited me over and fired up a joint. I started smoking weed. And in an instant, I made a best friend. I realized that I can medicate pain and trauma through illicit drug use. And weed eventually led into coke, mushrooms, LSD, hallucinogenics, before I finally found at 17 crystal methamphetamines, and that became my bride. And for the next eight years, I spent that time putting needles in my arms and trying to pump as much toxic sludge into my system as I could to distract myself from the fact that I was a broken, hurting, lost man. I ended up losing a family and went to prison not once but twice. And really, in my second trip to prison, I was ready for change. Like, I was just under the weight of all of this. I didn't know how I got like this. When you're a child and you grow up under those kind of influences, you believe that everything's your fault. You're broken. You're the responsible party. You're the cause. And not to negate personal responsibility at all, 
but it's like this cyclical pattern that just gets carried away with itself. You know, I am a product of my raise and therefore I will never function beyond this substandard level. That time in prison the second time really gave me a chance to reflect and think and come to terms with the idea that I wanted better circumstances, but I didn't know how to create them. I had no positive masculine influence in my life and it was actually some convicts while I was in prison, guys that went through the same stuff that had been doing this for 40 years, took me under their wing and I guess they saw a bit of themselves in me and out of a place of empathy and compassion, decided to teach me some basic skills on being a confident man. Even at times when you don't feel confident, you have to put this persona out that you are confident. You have to embody this sense of confidence. I ended up getting out and uh, was on a better trajectory. Um, I had made a profession of faith in prison and I wanted to keep going with that because that had helped me. And so I started going to church I met my wife there. I was around a better network of people. I kept noticing this reoccurring knack to pull the pin on a hand grenade and throw it into my own lap when things would start to go well. And I realized at that point um, that as beneficial as that network of people and being in that environment was for me, it wasn't ministering to a certain part of myself, a psychological part of myself, that had been traumatized as a result of my upbringing. So I went on this deep dive into personal growth and development, psychology, childhood trauma, and I began to educate myself. And wow, the doors blew wide open. I began to realize that um, I wasn't broken. I was just a product of my race. And not only that, but I could begin to reform the neural pathways of my brain and be it, begin to create better outcomes and circumstances for my life. So I laced my boots up and got ready for this process. And it's been a journey for sure. Lots of ups and downs, lots of times when that, that shadow part of myself likes to reassert himself and take me down. And other times when that apex man within me wants to rise up and shine bright. 2019, I left Colorado to come to North Dakota and work in the oil field which was part of our conversation the first time we talked. I felt a kindred spirit with you in that, that you had worked in the oil field too, because it's a great way for a man to get some quick revenue under his belt and kind of fix his finances. But that year pulled me away from church. It pulled me away from my family. It pulled me away from my accountability group. And it put me in a situation where I was exhausted all the time, seven days a week, 16 hour shifts. Um, and I tanked hard. That year, everybody says 2020, the COVID year was their terrible year. 2019 for me was my epic faceplant year. And really because I was just exhausted and, and, and that's a trigger for me, I fell hard. But eight months later, I pulled out of that and I got myself on better footing. And I began to learn more about myself to the point where I said, you know what? It's time to give back. So that was the year I started the podcast, Apex Masculinity, because I wanted to reach other struggling, hurting men that want better circumstances for their life, but don't have that roadmap. Out of that year, we also uh, wrote and published the book. And uh, it's been a good journey, man. We started doing some public speaking events here recently. Uh, I had a really big one in Phoenix uh, earlier this year with some people that I've met through the podcasting network. Uh, we put this big empowerment meeting on, and I've done a couple events here in Williston, North Dakota, teaching people about um, vibration and energy and uh, how to attract better circumstances and how to build confidence. And they've all been received really well. The, the level of self-development that you've done, and obviously the lack of that is probably part of the reason that people end up 
in situations like that where they're incarcerated and all their freedoms are taken away just because they act out in ways that aren't productive for them and they don't they don't know any other way to act because they don't know how to process the feelings that they feel. T tell me what was the beginning or, or what was the very first book or the very first thing that you listened to or what the, what content that you consumed that put you on your self-development journey. And having that uh, religious transformation, I would have to say the scriptures. But if you mm -hmm. want to talk about personal growth and development stuff, getting some information that would finally start meeting that unmet need of trauma psychology, triggers, addiction, all of that stuff. I had told my wife back in 2016, remember, because I had mentioned earlier that I was on a better trajectory, but I was still self-sabotaging. And the first one I found that really had impact in my life was this podcast called Knowledge for Men by Andrew Farabee. And I pulled it up and the very first one I listened to just blew me away, man. So I started becoming, as a truck driver, I can do this for like 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Plug my phone into the aux cable and just listen all day. And this guy would have people on his show that were at one point like addicted to heroin, but pulled out and became the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. They were homeless, living in their car, and then went on to start a supplement business that did seven figures. All of these like very rags to riches type mm -hmm. stories. And I was like really encouraged that it's possible for anyone. And, you know, you hear these great quotes and sayings from people that are penned in history. And mine is, anyone can come from any place of brokenness and destitution and build for themselves an amazing life worthy of admiration and respect. And I got started on my journey of devouring content. And I didn't realize it then, Chuck, but what I was doing was I was beginning to reprogram the neural pathways of my brain mm -hmm. to begin to believe different about not only myself, but what a man like me could accomplish in life. I didn't even know who Tony Robbins was at that point, you know, so like I'm listening to this guy's podcast and he'll have a guest come on and then I'll go to that guest's podcast or maybe read their book or something like that. Or, you know, at that same time frame, I came across this TED talk thing that, you know, everybody likes and loves. And I kind of realized in hindsight that when the student's ready, the teacher arrives. Your shift began because I think especially now the media's job is to grab our attention. Whether it's social media, whether it's mainstream media, whatever it is, their job is to grab your attention. Not necessarily to make your lives better, not necessarily to tell you the truth, but to, to grab your attention and make you feel something. <laughs> you went from consuming entertainment to consuming education and we're we live in such an amazing time right now where there is so much available to people and and 99.999 percent of it is free you didn't necessarily know all the answers but you were determined enough to figure it out the the resources are there you just have to look for them until your brain was heightened to the point that this is what it's looking for you never saw them yeah, no, it, it's a really good point because those stories are actually a product of the condition of the neural pathways. And oftentimes just because a person realizes that, hey, I don't want this to be my story anymore, doesn't mean like a switch. They just flip it and it completely goes away. You know, an example I'll give with that is during the journey of building my brand um, in the beginning, uh, and we were talking about people 
getting started on a better path. My podcasts in the very beginning were nothing short of ugly, bro. I didn't know anything about podcasting. Like you said, you know, I'm, I'm listening to them and I'm like, man, what is this? Sounds terrible. It doesn't sound anything like these podcasts that I listen to. And you got to stay in the game and be really humble and understand that you're starting your journey of education and there's going to be hiccups and learning curves and all that. So not only does a person need to be like, um, uh, willing for it to look ugly in the beginning when you start making the changes. But a person has to understand that you're going to get blindsided from time to time and things are not going to work the way you want. That is not an indication that you're on the wrong path. That's just part of the learning curve. An example of that is I met this lady on Facebook. She sent me this cover design, this awesome looking Viking. He was all bloodied up and his armor was all broken up. And I thought, man, that paints the perfect picture, you know, ordered my books, book showed up in the mail, a 10 pack. I pulled the book out. I was excited. It was beautiful, bro. I'm standing there with my book cover facing out. My wife takes a picture, puts it on Facebook and immediately, bro, I get blown up by people. You know, that's a stolen cover design from a popular video game that kids play today. Right. And my heart just, oh, broke. no. And I let that experience attempt to prove to me that the story in my own head that I can't succeed. And this is the kind of stuff I'm going to always attract right before I get successful. Something is going to steal the bottom out from under me. You know what I mean? And everything's going to fall out. You know, what you do is you provide um, evidence to the contrary of that story in your own head that says, you can see it with your own eyes and hold it in your own hands. And when that story tries to present itself, you can go, no, 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 no. That may have been my past. That may be the story you're trying to tell me, but I have this other handful of evidence that proves I can succeed and I can win. Another thing that, uh, that especially social media does is uh, it, it warps perspective mm -hmm. of people, um, of how things really are. And what it does is it, it conjures up this image of things happen overnight. Right. <laughs> you know, because you can edit anything you want. You can leave out any parts of the story that you want, but it doesn't tell the whole truth. When you do things publicly, like write a book or you put yourself out there and you are visible um, in, in the public, you are risking, you're risking criticism. You're risking uh, scrutiny from people, but it is not the people that are actually going to help you along that journey that are going to be giving you the criticism and the scrutiny unless it's helpful suggestion. It's going to be people who don't have the courage to live in that public way, be themselves, be truthful, share the messy parts of their journey. And I, I think that's what resonates about your story with me so much. Yeah, authenticity is guaranteed. Authenticity and transparency is guaranteed the best way to gain the most loyal followers and people that want to consume your content. I put a video out. I, well, I, somebody encouraged me, um, and and I, you're you're kind of a, the marketing guy. So like, I've been following your story, and I'm like, man, this guy made a decision. I don't know how far along you were when we had our first podcast. Not very. <laughs> yeah, you were just getting started, but like I'm seeing you all the time now. Um, obviously, because I'm following you, of course, but like your stuff's getting better, and I'm like, man, this guy's—he's figuring it out, you know. Like he's—he—he he got determined, 
and he's he's not going to stop, right? But I posted uh, I post this video of my book on TikTok. I have seen book sales as a result of TikTok just go through the roof, especially when we turn it into an audiobook. But the point I'm trying to make is the followers were, were, were slow, but I could tell by their comments they were loyal, right? That the content that I was putting out was having impact in their lives. And then I made this one video where I got a drilling rig in the background behind me. And I start telling people that, hey, man, uh, you're a frustrated man because you're living beneath your means and you need to get up here and we're going to stick you on this drilling rig, but you need to know there's an initiation process and we're going to put a bungee cord on your ankles and throw you off the top of this drilling rig. And we're going to beat you with pipe wrenches on the way down. And then when we pull you up, because the bungee cord is obviously longer than the rig is tall, um, then you'll be initiated. Bro, that video went viral. I had 20,000 views on that video within like 24 hours before I got shadow banned because some Karen got mad because I said we were going to hit you with pipers. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I learned that um, th that those aren't the real followers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the ones where I put content out talking about uh, the male suicide rates and fatherless homes and addiction and all these things, that resonates with people. And I learned that I don't need to try to be something else. You know, I like the way this guy puts out content. I'm going to try to be more like this guy because he seems successful. I felt disingenuous. Mm -hmm. And those posts, they don't get any interaction because people can sense the authenticity and the genuineness that comes from a person. So when I stay in my purpose and in my vein to help struggling men rise up from the ashes of a broken life and begin to reform themselves and push forward into building an amazing life that creates the, that creates the loyal following of people, people that will buy my books, people that will listen to my podcasts, people that will buy coaching programs for me, people that will come to public speaking seminars and workshops. And it's good to stay in your authenticity. You're more likely to get, something out of that if these people are less than two years into their journey because you can relate you don't want to grow your following you want to find your thousand raving fans i don't ever want to get to a place where i'm untouchable i had a guy because my email is in the book on the last page with uh you know just some stuff about my journey the about the author page they call it and i got my email in there and this dude reached out to me two weeks ago from oklahoma and sent me an email. Hey, bro, I grew up in a really traumatic home. I'm struggling with drugs and drinking. I really appreciated the book. And that guy probably thought I was going to be untouchable, you know, because I'm this published author, this, 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 uh, you know, because we all have that social media face or whatever. Then I emailed that guy right back. I said, dude, here's my number. Text me, call me. He sent me a text immediately. I pulled my truck over on the side of the road. I called this guy. And I one-on-one -on -one encouraged this dude for like 20 minutes. And I got more fulfillment out of a 20-minute conversation, taking a 20-year-old kid under my arm for a few minutes and telling him, hey, bro, you're on the right track. You're going to win. Then I got from him buying my book. I want to be a first-touch impact person in people's lives. This whole mentality of get all you can, can all you get, sit on the lid and poison the rest doesn't work for me. I understand if you're teaching people something and that's your business model, that is perfect. I have a coaching program where I teach 
strategies to men. And because it takes time to do that, obviously there should be compensation for it. But this whole idea of I've arrived and therefore I'm ahead and above and beyond you and untouchable, I don't want that. There are very few original ideas. <laughs> you know, we all learn from somebody. And I think one of the ways that I feel the best about the stuff that I produce is just credit the person you, you learned it from. You can be a curator. You don't have to be a creator of knowledge. How did the book evolve? You know, it's one thing to take your own personal journey, but it's another to really put that journey in print and then try to, to share it with the world. How did that process start? At that time, I was working a really, really hectic, long hour. As you're aware, oil filled, most of it is. I got up in the morning and someone had mentioned in a podcast that for traumatic healing, uh, a great way to do that is to journal. And so I decided to do that on a Microsoft Word document and I just started writing things about my past and what I had learned, you know, about building confidence and things about vibration, attraction and energy and different, just different things, you know. And I was reading what I had wrote one morning. And this is a paragraph at a time, Chuck, because I got to fly out the door and get to work, right? Maybe a couple sentences. And I, I was reading it and I was like, man, this is really good, you know, <laughs> right? But everybody everybody thinks their baby is the prettiest one and should be on the cover of the Gerber food jar, right? right. Uh, but I asked my wife, I was like, hey, read this for a minute, would you? And of course she's biased because she's my wife and I kept that in my mind, you know, but um, she read it and she's like, this is really good, you know? And a lot of times I felt like I was channeling something. I don't even know. Like when you get into a flow of your purpose, it's like you get into flow state. But after a couple paragraphs, I was like, dude, I really think this could be a book. So every morning for, for an entire year, all through COVID, all through 2020, because 2019 and the successes and failures of that year, um, I mean, we made $40,000 in passive income selling a house. I relapsed after being sober for 15 years. I mean, it was this, it was the craziest year of these amazing successes and these catastrophic failures. It was, I don't even know how to explain it, but some mornings, Chuck, I, I swear it was one or two sentences. If I was lucky, other mornings, it was a paragraph. I take a notebook with me to work and I jot down some ideas on Saturday and Sunday or on a day off. If I had more time, I'd write a couple paragraphs and it took an entire year, but I was consistent. I was faithful to it. There were moments where I was like, dude, who do you think you are? Like, and I would always just silence that voice by saying, this is not for anybody, but for me, mm -hmm. right? But in the back of my mind, I knew I had plans. So when I finally got it all finished, finished enough to where, you know, I thought I, I was ready to publish it um, because I'm learning all of this new and fresh myself, I realized um, on Fiverr, some people pronounce it Fiverr, but you can, you can hire people to do things that you can't. And I'm like, okay, eighth grade education with a GED, two trips to prison and an eight year meth addiction. Maybe I should have an editor look at this. <laughs> <laughs> so I hired this editor. Now, of course, I know everybody's in a different place financially and it requires you to, you know, have the means and capabilities to invest in yourself and in your project, your brand, your business, your coffee shop, your roofing business, your book, your podcast, whatever. And I spent $600, 
to have a professional editor go over it and she put all the commas in the right place, indented my paragraphs where they should have been, um, you know, dotted the I's, crossed the T's and sent it back to me. So, whoa, this is really pretty now, right? Sometimes it's better to just spend the money and get things done right, you know? Mm -hmm. But that was a learning experience for me. Mm -hmm. I learned, I did a little more research, did some digging, found some other people, and I found a vetted professional Ingram Spark approved cover designer. Now, for those that don't know, Ingram Spark is a hybrid pub publishing company that will let you publish with them, but you retain all the rights. Mm. They will print your book as people order it. They don't warehouse your book or store but as orders come in, they print and send. So it kind of takes a delay on the arrival and delivery, but it doesn't cost anything. They take a piece mm -hmm. of the sale, you get the rest. It's really easy for a self-published author just getting started. This lady put a beautiful cover together for me and she formatted the book for me in a way that it would actually look good on the paper. Every page would be right where it was supposed to as far as chapter divisions and all this stuff. And she actually did some stuff that I didn't even know I needed to do. Put some like, disclaimers in there for like, I'm mm. not a psychologist. And you mm -hmm. know, this is just my take on things. I was like, not even aware that for a book like this, maybe that would be a good idea. So she sent it back to me, the book launched. And of course I'm nobody. So like I got the, fir the first five sales took like a month to get, and it was all family and friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I started buying books wholesale and mailing them to prisons. Mm. I started giving them out to places. Now this is all slow growing, but anything yeah. you build, this is a word for your audience. Anything you attempt to build is going to start out slow, but it's going to start stacking on itself over time. And don't forget that. And I'll explain how that worked for my book and my brand. I took the book to the local bookstore. Oh, we love local authors. Sure, we'll take five copies of your book, right? So they bought five copies from Ingram Spark. All right, I made the first 14 bucks, you know? I started being on podcasts and obviously the, the we talk about the book. So people are like, oh, that's interesting. I like that guy's story. So now there's a couple more sales. And then I found TikTok and marketing. And I start boosting videos every day. And I've watched my sales go from like seven a week to 20 a week, to 40 a week, like awesome. all of this within the last, I would say, honestly, since August. At the same time, I'm not, this is not my revenue model. Cause remember a long time ago, we talked about keeping your day job while you build your brand in the beginning, right? Sure. All of the money coming in by way of revenue, I'm just investing it back into the book, right? So this guy, his name is Vox Ursa, and that's Russian for voice of the bear. And he's this been velvety, buttery, masculine voice. And he audio booked it for me seven mm. miles back. And for people in personal growth and development, I find audiobooks are way preferred because these are people on the go. They're at the gym, they're at work, they're commuting, they're doing stuff. They don't have time to sit and read a book. So I'm watching my audiobook sales skyrocket, right? My, my book sales are, are, are increasing, but the audiobook is going. And here in a little bit, I'm going to get to the place where, um, it's completely paid for itself, right? But now I'm writing the second book and it should be done hopefully before February. I'm giving myself till February. My writing skill has improved. Mm -hmm. All the criticisms from different people, I've taken them into consideration. The haters, I throw it out. The people that are really trying to be helpful, I take it in. Mm -hmm. I'm letting that develop and hone my skill. And I have huge aspirations for this next book. like. 
international stuff, like bestseller stuff. You know what I mean? We don't know what we're capable of, but then when we get that one little win, yeah, it, it skyrockets our confidence and we really begin to expand what's possible for ourselves. Absolutely. You know, you went from a guy who was just writing a couple of sentences on a Microsoft Word document to having a book, you know, and the other thing you did is you invested time. And like you said, you invested money. That's one of the things that I think people, they, they skimp on because they're not treating it like something that they're serious about. Yes. And they try to do it themselves. And the thing about doing it yourself, you're going to learn from your mistakes. And those are going to take a lot of time as opposed to learning from the mistakes of somebody else who will pave the path for you. I always use this example. Tom Brady has a coach. Tiger Woods had, you know, had a coach. The most successful people in the world have coaches. It would have taken you years longer if you hadn't. It's an ego thing I think we have too. It's like, oh, I can figure this out by myself. Yeah, in any, in any genre that you want to level up and evolve in, it's okay to realize, you know what? I don't have the map. I don't, I don't know. And I could spend the two years and save the money and maybe get there, or I could get a hold of somebody. A perfect example of this is in my journey of podcasting, um, I put a blast out on a Facebook page for podcasters that want to collaborate. And this guy answered me and uh, he's like, dude, I'd love to get on your show or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool, man. So we set up a quick zoom call. I got to talking with this guy. He had good energy, good charisma, like he knew what he was talking about. And I said, all right, let's set it up. And this guy brought some powerful, powerful content by way of goal setting, um, the kind of things that get in the way of us being successful. And come to find out he was a life coach. And I was so intrigued by what knowledge that he had that a longstanding dream for the last several years of mine to hire a life coach for myself, not book coaching, just life coaching mm -hmm. um, came to realization. I was like, okay, you've been hearing podcasts in personal growth and development for years now. Everybody is saying the same thing. To get from good to great, you have to hire a mentor. You don't have to do anything, but if you want to see 10x growth. So I hired this guy. He's part of the ULA team. He uses their curriculum, but they have this thing where they do the seven Fs, uh, seven letter F. Faith, family, fitness, field, which is your career, friends, fun. And they say anything in life is going to fall into one of these categories. And we systematically walked through all seven of these categories. And the first one was fitness. And at that point, Chuck, I wasn't doing good in the fitness, bro. Overweight, truck driver, getting older, losing testosterone. Every time I go get my blood work, my triglycerides are through the roof. 655 on my triglycerides, wow. 258 on my cholesterol. And uh, so like he started walking me through a process of like, listen, when you think about going to the gym five days a week, it's overwhelming, isn't it? And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, dude, I'm a four-year-old. We're going to have time for that. <laughs> he says, what we need to do is we need to take little bites and little baby steps towards your goals. The first thing I want you to do is just call some gyms and get some prices. That's it. Nothing more. So I started I, like, that's easy. Right. So I started calling gyms and I found one for 40 bucks a month. And in my mind, I'm like, I used to put that much money in my arm at a shot. If I try this and it doesn't work, no harm, no foul. And I noticed that because I made the decision to just take the next step 
things started opening up in my life. My schedule got better. I was able to get to the gym in the morning. I went back a year later and got my blood work done and my triglycerides had dropped from 655 to 150. My cholesterol had come down from 258 to 158. And then we went through finances. And he said, lay out, lay your debts out, lay your assets out, lay, lay what you have out and let's pick the smallest one and let's work on this. And I was able to sell a truck that really I didn't want. And it was kind of a burden financially. I sold it and I spent the next three months aggressively paying off $13,500 to get my wife's truck paid off. And I freed up $900 a month extra for myself which allowed me to step down from a very chaotic job and take the job that I have now where I'm home by five every night. I don't have to leave till seven in the morning. I get weekends off every weekend, all of this cool stuff. And I realized I would have spent probably years trying to button up all seven areas of my life like that because I didn't know how, but because I hired someone that knew the process and was able to walk me through that process, I 10X not only my growth, but the speed at which I could accomplish my goals. And that's why I think you and I do what we do because we wanna help people avoid the pain and the time loss in trying to get where they wanna be. It couldn't be said any better. Where can they find the book? So the book is available on Amazon as a paperback or as an ebook. The book is also available on Audible. Barnes & Noble's online carries the book. The podcast is available at Apex Masculinity Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere. And our website is apexmasculinity.com. Apex Masculinity, because I don't even think we actually said the title of the book. That is the title of the book. And Nick Jontos yes, is the author, and he is my guest today. Um, Nick, where can people find you on social media so they can continue to follow you? Uh, Apex Masculinity, uh, people can email me at Nick Chantos, N-I-C-K-C-H-O-N-T-O-S dot 1978 at iCloud.com. It's a blast to sit down and talk with people that are in the same space and working mm -hmm. toward the same things as far as personal development in their life and becoming the best version of themselves. Being able to share that journey with people like you is an honor for me. Yep, thank you, brother. So you've been listening to the Escape the Cage podcast with me, your host, Chuck Ellis. My guest today has been Nick Chontos, author of Apex Masculinity, and we will see you next time.